0: I tell you, last week was an incredible day at Dorisville, and it was just an awesome afternoon, and we are still very excited just about that day. We are very glad that you came to join us this morning for worship. First, let me express my appreciation to our worship team. They did an incredible job of leading us today in worship. God bless you guys. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, worship team, so much. And then I to also take to Brent and to David. You know, we went out, um, I think it was Tuesday, we had our staff planning day, looking forward to next year, kind of putting the calendar together. And um, we went out to lunch, and and afterwards I said, you know, I really should have bought their lunch. And I didn't do it. So, Brent, (laughs) David, I want to take you out to supper tonight. We're having hot dogs and chips. And one step further, I want to treat you to a movie. So there you go, guys. My love and my appreciation to staff. Well, listen, something did happen. Uh, David very briefly mentioned something happened this week, and that was the death of Robin Williams. Um, usually, when things happen in Hollywood and, and that group and there's a death or something, it doesn't really phase me too much. But I can honestly say that the news of Robin Williams' death grieved me. I don't know a whole lot. I really don't know very much at all about his life, but his work, he made me laugh. Um... When I think about two movies particularly, and I'm sure there are plenty, do not do not take my comments today as an endorsement of his life or his work as a whole. But Mrs. Doubtfire was just a tremendously funny movie. And we, so many of us have seen that, and we just laughed. And then I was watching TV um, yesterday afternoon, actually about evening, and on um, the ABC Family Channel, I think it was, they had Aladdin on. And, of course, he was the voice of the genie. And that probably... Uh, was one of his just greatest works. Of course, you didn't see his face. You heard his voice. And I laughed again. I just laughed. And it grieved me that this man who made so many people laugh lived in such a dark world. So dark, in fact, that that he took his own life. he did so in a very hard way by hanging himself. And I think about he had success. He had fame. He had money. He had talent. But his world became so hopeless that he chose to end his own life. And what you need to know as a church today is that we live in a world that is filled with people, so many who do not have hope. And the message that the church has today, the ecclesia, the called out ones, we have a message of hope. You heard that throughout the worship time. Um, this morning, And in the word of God. Now so often the church, the ecclesia, we are known more about or uh, from what we're against than what we're for. Somehow, and, and I'm sure there's a time and a place for all of that. But, but in, the, in the crazy culture we live in, the message that the church is sending over and over again is you're not doing right. You're not keeping the rules. You're not doing this. And there is a time for the church to stand. Do not misunderstand what I'm saying. But the message, the greatest message, is being overridden by that. And the hope is Jesus Christ. And that should be our primary voice that we have. I love that song again. We are His hands. We are His feet. We are His voice. And and the message that the world needs today is one of hope. And that's what I want to share with you today. If you're here today and you... Have never made a commitment with Jesus Christ. I try to avoid the churchy terms. But but we believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And that he died a sacrificial death. He was buried. And on the third day he resurrected. The Bible teaches that. History supports that. And that is the great message that we believe. And if you've never received that great gift. I hope you'll listen today. Because there will be some of that in the message today. And today might be the day that your world goes from being hopeless, because again, did you understand what I said? You can have money, you can have fame, you can have wealth, and still live in a very, very hopeless world. So my hope today would be that, that today, if you've never received Christ as your personal Savior, you've never had forgiveness of your sins. And I'm not talking about joining a church or being baptized. I'm talking about a relationship with the Creator God. Then today, I hope you'll make that your day. If you're here today, and you've lost loved ones, and most of us have, I have a brother um, who passed away a couple years ago. And so, if you've lost a loved one, and particularly that loved one, um, knew Jesus Christ as Savior, then I really hope that you'll take something home today that will help you deal um, with that loss, to understand uh, what about that loss and what it's all about. And then, if you're here today and you're like, you know, well, Dwayne, I'm, I'm a Christian and I haven't really lost anyone close to me, my world's pretty good right now. I just hope you'll take this home today because it will help you refocus your world and prepare you for a time when, when tragedy strikes into your life or the life of your family. And I really pray that this, this theme of hope will just overarch everything. And, of course, the hope is not a, I hope I get a bite for Christmas. It's the reality, the noun, if you will, the noun, Jesus Christ, the person Jesus Christ, the one of hope, amen. So take. Now we're going to look at two scriptures today on on your sermon sheet. If you've got that, if you have got that bulletin that Brent talked about, and there's a sermon sheet. And by the way, please note I, I made that graphic up there, and we got Brother Doug Lambert and Neville Sherrard on there. So be sure to note that. And then I think there's a picture of the tornado victims. A uh, remembrance of the tornado victims on there in an empty tomb. So be sure to note that. But on your sermon sheet, you'll see two major scriptures that we want to hit today. Let me check my watch and see how we're doing. Um, one is First Thessalonians four thirteen, and that's a pretty familiar passage of scripture. I use it a whole lot at, at funerals, usually. And so we're going to talk about that pretty much in detail. And then, if I stay on track and don't chase any rabbits or anything, then we will go to Second Corinthians chapter five, a wonderful, wonderful passage of scripture that talks about hope. So as we serve up the meal today spiritually, I really pray that you come hungry. I pray that you're ready to hear the Word of God, and I pray you're willing willing and ready to ingest the Word of God, to apply the Word of God. So why don't we pause right now, by your heads. I want to ask God's blessings on His Word today. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you. I want to thank you, first off, for the privilege to stand before these folks and to share your Word. And it is a high privilege. Thank you for that. I want to thank you for the team, Father, that led us so well in worship as we sang and sang about hope and the hope being Jesus Christ. And God, I believe, as a a believer in Christ, as a pastor, I just believe you've assembled this group today. That no one is here by accident. And that you've put these people under the sound of your word today. And I pray that they will have a hearing heart. That, Father, that person whose world seems pretty hopeless right now will understand the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the person here is still hurting from the loss of a loved one, that they may hear hope today. And then God, as we all hear about hope, that might change our perspective of how we live in this world. So God, I'm a voice. You are all powerful. Holy Spirit, you're the one who comes in and changes people's lives. And I invite you, please, to do that. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. And all God's people said... Amen. All right, take your Bibles this morning or use your sermon sheet. I put the scriptures there for you guys, and they'll also be on the screen. Um, Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. Thinking about the message of hope. Now this is a scripture, and again, I've, I've taught this before, I understand that, I don't want you to think, I, I, has he forgotten, is he getting a little old? I, I use this regularly because it's so powerful. The church at Thessalonica um, had apparently asked Paul a couple of questions, and one of those questions involved, what has happened to our loved ones that have died in Christ? And in so doing, Paul lays the groundwork of hope For our service today. So in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. We read these words. And again I'm going to pause as we go through this verse. I want you to grab hold. If, if, If you're a note taker. Today would be a good day to do that. I think because it will help us as we live our lives. So Paul begins. And this is the Holman Christian Standard Version. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers. Let me just pause there just for a moment. God wants us to know. You know, the concept and the thought. I know in earlier church days, medieval days, the people were almost banished from having the Word of God. Only the clergy could have the Word of God. Of course, that has vastly changed and rightfully so over the last several hundred years that that we have come in. And now the laity, we are teachers, but the laity now has the Word of God. And God wants you to know the Word of God. Because listen, listen, in the Word of God, there's great hope. So many of life's questions that you're wrestling with, including the practical issues about you know, what career and, and how do I work and how do I be a parent, what does God say about marriage, what does God say about life, what does God say about hope, all those answers are in the Word of God. So God doesn't want you to be uninformed. He wants you to know, and if you're looking for a good reason, and by the way, you can't susist on just what you get from teachers. If you listen to, to a preacher a day or come every Sunday, you can't subsist on that. You've got to have more than that, and that more is a personal working knowledge and intimacy with the Word of God. So, so Paul says that God doesn't want us to be ignorant. In this case, it's about a particular topic. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, concerning those who are asleep. Pause. Now, so he's answering a question about people who have died in Christ. Now don't let the word asleep throw you. It's it's a it's a metaphor for someone who has died. So Paul goes said, uh, God wants you to be uninformed and concerning those who have died. But there's also a good side of that. When I when we go at night, Judy and I go to bed, you know, I, we we do the I we pray. I want you to know that. Your pastor and wife pray together. And, and then, then we, you know, we, we say night. Sometimes we'll say these words. I'll see you in the morning. I'll see you in the morning. When, when, I, when I lay down with my wife to go to sleep at night, I don't just weep and wail. Well, I'll never see her again. Because I know sleep is a temporary state. And I, all things considered, well, in our lives, period, I'll see her again. So, so that's a good analogy for sleep. When somebody says we're asleep in Jesus, it's not a permanent state. Do not take it in the idea of soul sleep, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. So concerning those who have died in Christ, he says, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. Paul says it's very normal and natural for all people when we go through the death process with loved ones that there is going to be a grieving process. There is a, there's a, there's a grief that's permanent. That's hard, and there's a grief that is different. And Paul says, I want you to grieve with that different kind of grieving, which is filled with hope. And In Ephesians, in chapter 2, verses 12 to 13, we read these words. At that time, you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope. And without God in this world. And that's what David was saying earlier in, this, in the service. Trying to say that without Christ, it's a hopeless thing. You're in this world without God and without hope. And if God is not a relational part of your life, in other words, you know God personally through his son Jesus Christ, then your world is filled uh, with hopelessness. And, and Paul says, speaking to believers, saying, you're one time in this world and you're in this world without God. And you're also in this world without hope. And then notice a past tense uh, affair there. It says, but now, I don't, you know, the, the, the word but in the Bible is just, it's wonderful. It's a conjunction. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were afar away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. So, so there is a hopelessness. And so many in the world have that. And as far as I know, Robin Williams had no relationship with God as we understand a relationship with God. None. His world was dark and it was hopeless. But if we have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we are a people of hope. Amen? So, so when he says, when he says that, that, that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope, he's thinking about people without Jesus. So, so what is the tenor? What changes that? What, what takes us from a people of hopelessness to a people of hope? What takes us from darkness into light? What takes us from blindness to now I see? And, and Paul gives us that in verse number 14, the last part. Since we believe... since we Say that with me. Since we believe... Now notice he didn't say, since we keep the rules... Since we go to church. Since we've earned God's favor. No. He says, since we believe. You've got to understand, it is by faith in Jesus Christ that Christ or God counts us righteous. It's not by works that we have done. It's not by going to church. It's not by doing things like that. It is because of the unmerited grace of God, the favor of God, that we have righteousness in Jesus Christ. So, since we believe... Not because we're in a church, since we believe that Jesus Christ, here it is, died and rose again. This is so huge. No other man, no other religious leader died and rose again. Died and rose again. He, he did something that no other one has done, will do, or can do. He laid his life down in death, stayed in the tomb for three days... And on the third day, he resurrected, he came back to life. And we believe, as Christ followers, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now watch, in the same way, we will die as followers of Christ. We're still going to die. There's a physical death waiting for every one of us, lest Christ comes back. But in the same way, like Christ died and resurrected, listen now, every one of us will be resurrected who know Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, come on, that's worth celebrating. Just like, just like, yeah, just like death could not hold Jesus down, so death cannot hold us down. Listen, his victory is our victory. And so cool, it's just like salvation. We don't have to say, I think I can get up, I think I can get up, I think I can resurrect. Because of his victory and his power, we will be resurrected. And and then he finishes his statement by saying this. Now, now, we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus or in Jesus. Now, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. In order for you to bring something with you, you've got to have it. If Judy says, bring home a loaf of bread, and I show up without bread, I didn't have bread with me, did I? See, so in order for Jesus, for God, to bring those with him... Who have asleep in Jesus. They've got to be with Jesus or with God in the first place. There is no such thing. No such thing biblically as soul sleep. If you have a loved one out in the graveyard. And they knew Jesus Christ. They are not there. Paul says absent from the body. We're going to talk about that. Is to be present with the Lord. So celebrate today. That, that we're not going to go out there to the grave. And, and we're going to lay there waiting for Jesus to do something. When my last heartbeat comes, when my last breath comes, when the last heartbeat of your loved one in Christ came, when the last breath came, they were instantly in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this whole scripture, which we don't have time to even talk about, I encourage you to read on, not while I'm preaching, but later on, is talking about the fact of the body resurrection. When I die, the soul and spirit go to be with God. And then on that great day when the trumpet sounds and Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds, the soul and the body of those who have died are reunited. They go to be with the Lord and then we who are alive remain. If we're alive then, we're caught up. We're raptured to be with Jesus also. It's incredible truth. Incredible truth. I was sharing with, with a friend today how the, even, the, even the death of Jesus mirrors this. You know, Jesus obviously was a physical body. And on the third day when he resurrected, he was a physical body. Amen? So the resurrection is all about. What state was he in in between? His body's in the grave. Spirit. Even his spirit there. We have a physical body. Our soul and spirit goes to be with God. And then one day, even this body will be resurrected and made brand new. Isn't that good news? Aren't you glad you don't have to go out and the? Seminary? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It's gotten his great news. I mean, aren't you glad your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncles, if they knew Jesus sitting out in the grave just saying, I wish something would happen. Honey, it happened. Ask them for the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, that really ought to bring some comfort to you. If you've lost a loved one, you know, I think about that movie, Acts of God. Um, Some of you were here, a great crowd that night. But the woman who had the terminal cancer, speaking to the woman who had lost a daughter, and a husband in Christ. And she says to the woman, what if it's real? What if it's real? And that just shouted at me. Wait a minute. That brother that I lost two, three years ago, who knew Christ, who I spoke in his sermon based on his testimony, and said he's now in heaven. That that it's real. One day I'm going to see that brother again. And, and your husband and your wife and your children. Those people who have died in Christ and gone on. Listen, it's real. It's real. And that changes everything. Yes, we grieve. But not like people with no hope. So that moves us down to our second scripture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1-8. through Just a wonderful scripture about what is it like? How does that flesh out? What does that mean? Um, If we're drawing a picture, what would that look like? And Paul does a masterful job in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, preparing us for that day. And if the rapture doesn't happen, it prepares us for the day. What happens to us after the last heartbeat? And here's what he says. In verse number 1, he says this. For we know, say we know. Now, notice the confidence there. We know. Whatever Paul's about to say, he's not saying, now, I have a theory on this. I think this is my, what happened. Written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's a letter to a church in Corinth. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God has revealed to him this wonderful truths. Okay? So he says with confidence, we know that if our earthly house pause, this tent. So Paul's saying that at this earthly house, and he's talking about our bodies, this tent. Now, in, where we go in Africa, we see people who live in tents. But you know, if we see a person living in a tent, they're a refugee, as we saw, Judy, on the news yesterday. If they're living in a tent, they're, they're camping. It's a temporary thing. Um, they might be a refugee. Normally people, in our culture anyway, do not normally stay in tents because tents are temporary. So we know if this earthly body, this tent. Is Paul saying that this is a permanent body then? No, he says it's a temporary body. It's a temporary body. This body was not made to live forever. Well, originally the garden it was, but sin blew that. But you, you know, I've got some friends here in this room who are, you know, one of our ladies is like 95 years old. One of our brothers is 86, 87 years old. And they've done wonderfully and lived a long time. But the bottom line is their bodies, our bodies grow old. They're not made for eternity. So Paul says that, that if this earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, if it dies, if we're martyred, if we're murdered, but if we die, we have a building. Now notice the contrast. He didn't say we have another tent, did he? Come on, come on. He didn't say we have another tent. He said we have a building. We have a permanent thing coming. This is temporary. We have a permanent thing coming. We have a building from God a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Paul is saying, we've got something better than this. Now, all y'all are not skinny and tall and good looking like me. <laughs> no, no. See, this, this temper, I'm, I'm glad. I'm not sure what all it's going to look like. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. But I'm so glad it's going to be better than what I've got now. So much better than what I've got now. So, so he says, if this body is destroyed, we've got a permanent house coming. And this permanent house was not made with human hands, but it's eternal in heavens. So what does that look like? What does that look like? Let me read it under the scripture to you. In um, Philippians and chapter two, verse 18 it says this: "For I have often told you, this is Paul speaking to the Philippian Church. I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ." Their end is destruction. That's the end of the hopeless person without Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. But our citizenship. That's them. This is us. Our citizenship is in heaven. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So we have a promise written in the Word of God that this body, when it dies, is going to be transformed into something his glorious body, something like Christ had. Now let's pause a moment and let's just look at three or four things that, that was like Jesus. Because Paul says it again. He will transform this body into the glorious body like Christ. Well, there are several things. First off, Christ was resurrected with a physical body. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a, a hologram. It wasn't like a 3D thing. He was resurrected physically with a human body. Amen? Amen? So that's one thing we know about this. He had this physical body. How about this? Um, it's an eternal body. Again, this one is the tent. It lasts if we're really good, for men about eight or oh, maybe 90 years. And if you're a lady, perhaps 85, 90, 95 years. But the one you're going to get upon the resurrection is an eternal body. Now, this is really good. It will be a recognizable body. Now, when Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave, there were a couple of times, and I think because of the circumstances of the miraculousness of the resurrection. But even John in the boat said to Peter, it's the Lord. When when Jesus appeared to the disciples, they didn't go, who in the world are you? Are you Joe down the road? No, they knew it was Jesus, and the reason they knew it was Jesus is because they recognized him. If our body, new body, is going to be like his body, it only stands logical that we'll be recognizable. I'm trying to tell you with all my heart, and I believe biblically, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the Word of God says. But I honestly believe the Word of God teaches that I will know people in heaven. I honestly believe I'll know them. I'm not going to be married to Judy. Jesus made that very clear. But I will know Judy in heaven. You'll know your brother. You'll know your sister. You'll know your aunt. You'll know your friends. It's a recognizable body. And of course, Paul wrote in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that we'll know as we are known. It's an incredible. Wouldn't heaven be a lonely place if we all walked down and go, Who are, Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? We spend all eternity going meeting people. I'm glad to tell you it's your pastor. I believe biblically we'll have a recognizable body. I know, aren't y'all, I know some of y'all are glad you're not married in heaven. I know, I know. <laughs> you know 50 years is one thing, eternity, that's another. <laughs> so it will be a recognizable body. And you know what's really incredible? It's a body that, that can eat. Now, now we had this from Jesus. You know, when, when they were questioning, well, you know, is this really you? Is this a ghost? And he said, give me, give me some honeycomb. Can, can a ghost eat? So Now we won't need to eat But it's a body that can eat And it just ties in The reality of the body that's coming Is a lot like this body Just like a zillion times better And, and, then, and then lastly it, It's a body that, that is not subject To sickness and illness and pain And suffering and cancer It'll be an eternal life An eternal body And it's going to be awesome It's going to be awesome now, now, now Paul says this He says, for we know that the earthly house, this tent, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. So so Paul says we groan. Now, let me tell you why we groan. If we get the understanding, we have a tendency in America to look this far. We, we, we have a hard time believing that our citizenship is in heaven. We, we somehow confuse life here as the best part. Okay? Now, now, when I go out and eat at a restaurant here in town and I get a cheeseburger, it's good. But if it's one of those days when Judy's out of town and there are no witnesses in the restaurant, I might say... Give me a piece of pecan pie. No witnesses. No witnesses. Now, let me tell you something. That cheeseburger is good, but it ain't nothing compared to pecan pie. Let me tell you something. This life is good, mostly. I've got friends. I love you. I I love my wife. I love my children, my grandchildren. I, I get the privilege of being a pastor. Those are incredible things, but compared to what is coming, it don't hold a light. What's coming is so much better. That's why we should groan. We should groan because of what's coming. You know, someone told me, and I agree 100%, I understand. You know, A friend told me and said, Dwayne, I know I'm going to heaven. I just don't want to go today. And he was saying he's got grandchildren he wants to see raised. And I understood that 100%. But if we keep our perspective that heaven is the real reality Then we groan, waiting for what is good. I had a lady once, and I, you know, she was sick in the hospital, pretty sick. And I said, she said laying there in the bed, you know, and I'm bending over, doing my little pastoral thing, and and she said, Pastor, I'm ready to go home. I said, I know God will take care of that. And she goes, I'm not talking about that, Pastor. I'm talking about home in my house. But you know, there, there's, a, there is a, there's a time when we reach a point in our life and our bodies so wore out, we go, I want to go home. You know, there's something going to happen if, if the rumor's are right on September the 9th. The new iPhone 6 is coming out. And I know that to you guys, that don't mean a thing, but I'm such a technology guy. And I'm really just, you know, I'm just waiting for September 9th to be here so I can see what the new iPhone looks like. There's a groaning. I want to see the new iPhone. And that's a really simple, silly illustration but that's how we ought to be as we long for heaven. Don't listen, this world is good, but don't confuse it for heaven. This body is good, but don't confuse it with the eternal one. There is something far, far better coming than this. Amen. Amen yeah. amen. all right now then he says something that, that I told David, I said, there yeah, I look I search different translations for different wording, you know and I try to get away from this word naked. Because I was just kind of embarrassed to say it, you know, naked. But every translation had the same word. King James had one, you know, New King James, ESV. They had all this word. Now, here's what he says. Let me back up at verse 2. For in this we groan, earnestly, sincerely desiring to be clothed with our habitation, our new body, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. And you go, what? What is that about? Now, here's the background you need to know. In the Corinthian culture, which was a Greek city, the Greeks believed there was a soul and spirit and the body was evil. And they said when death occurred, it was a way of escaping the evil of this body. So they believed not in a physical resurrection, but they believed that when they died, then we were set free from this evil body. And what Paul is saying, he says, If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. And being clothed with what? Our new body. We will not be floating around in space like some spirit. We'll have a brand new body. If indeed we are clothed with our new body, we won't be found floating around in space like a spirit. We will have a new body. Now let me throw this out to you. Who's Paul writing to? A church. The Corinthian church. Where was the Corinthian church? It was part of the Greek empire. Where did these Corinthian Christians get this thought of where we die, we don't have a physical body. We just kind of float around. We're free from this evil body. From the culture. Warning, warning, warning. Be careful that culture does not mold and shape your theology. It will mess you up. There's one place to get your theology, and it's from this book. You don't need to get from some preacher on TV. You are going to get your theology from here. Once again, God does not want you to be ignorant. You need to get your theology from the Word of God. And in the crazy world we live, Brent, isn't it, right? There's so much junk out there about God and about religion. I mean, I'm sure somewhere in Hollywood there's someone going, yeah, Robin Williams was a Christian in his own way. Well, there's not an own way. It's only the way. As Jesus Christ. Like I say, he made me laugh. But that doesn't mean he went to heaven. So be very, very careful that culture does not influence your theology. Make sure your theology comes from the word of God. So he goes on now in verse number 4 and says this. For we who are in this tent... Grown, he's repeating himself because it's so important. Grown, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, not because we want to be free from this evil body, not because we can move spirit and float around. He says, no, but rather, clothed, that mortality must be or may be swallowed up by life. This is so powerful. the The thought there is that of a strong predator eating a prey. And when Paul says that mortality may be swallowed up by life, he's speaking of the powerful imagery of eternal life. Grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Defeated, done because of Jesus Christ. Christ swallowed up the power of death. He swallowed up the power of the grave and gave us the promise and the hope of eternal life, a physical resurrection. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that wonderful? Man, the idea of a lion consuming an antelope. The idea of eternal life swallowing up death, grave, and that victory. So he goes on and says this. Now he has prepared us for this very thing is God. Let me say it again. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. This is so cool. We were created to worship God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this He has placed within the heart of man Eternity He has God has placed within us Eternity And as I'm walking back toward my microphone Back in the men's room I'm hearing we were made to worship And brothers and sisters let me tell you something We are made to worship I don't know why you think you're on this earth I don't know why you think where you're going to do in eternity. You know, you're not going to be sitting by a lake fishing. You're not, there's no golf, Terry. There's no golf courses in heaven. We are going to worship Creator God in a way we cannot even comprehend for all eternity, and enjoy doing so. And enjoy doing so. It's incredibly, incredibly powerful imagery. So, so God has created us. We lost it in the garden. When when Adam and Eve were in the garden before their sinless condition, they they were in this... In fact, one commentary said if they hadn't sinned, those bodies would have lived forever. But when they sinned, they died. They began to die physically and they died spiritually. But we were created to worship from the garden. Created to worship God. And when we come into relationship through Jesus Christ to God the Father, we then are enabled to do what we are created to do, worship. Don't lose that. And don't confuse me. I still remember the old preacher story. About the kid who approached the pastor at the back seat or back door and said, Preacher, is heaven it's going to be like church? pastor thought a minute and said, yes, son. I guess it really will in some way. He goes, I don't want to go then. <laughs> I don't want to go. Oh, no. Listen, listen. We cannot comprehend the glory and the splendor of being with creator God for all eternity. Seeing our wonderful king and savior, Jesus Christ, face to Face. it is God who has prepared us for this very thing who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. You got to love that We talked about that last week. Who's given us the spirit? The word guarantee is down payment. It's where we get our word earnest for an earnest money for a house. When a person trusts Jesus Christ he is created new by the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, a part of God, comes and lives within us. And God says this, that's the down payment. That's the down payment. And I love this because the imagery is so good. Now, I don't know a lot about buying houses. But if you put earnest money down and arbitrarily change your mind, you'll probably lose your money. And God has put a down payment in your life and says, I'm good for the balance. I'm good for the balance. This is a... This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't hope-so-maybe stuff. This is not something I've come up with to make you feel good while you're here on earth. I'm good for the balance. You will have a new body. You will spend eternity with me by the blood of Jesus Christ. You will spend eternity as I intended. worship me. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you guys, look at me. I know some of you are hurting. I know some of your your heart's broken still over loved ones. Some of your bodies are wracked with cancer. But by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, there is a better day coming. There is a better day coming. A day so great, so if the body hurts, if your heart's broken today, as you have trusted Christ, there's a better day coming. The dessert, the pecan pie, is on its way from the kitchen. Now he finishes up with a summary. And he says these words. So, perfect summary statement. So, we are always confident. In other words, we have the hope. Now, not verb. We are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So, so we know that we're here. We're absent from the Lord. That's just the truth. In other words, while we're here... We can't be there in the sense of eternity. But here's the good news. When we're there, we won't be here. Suffering, sorrow, death, hurt, poverty, pain, tears will all be done away with. We're not there yet. It's Friday. (laughs) But Sunday's coming. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. Be encouraged. This is not the end. This is not all there is by Christ. There's more. And as if he knew we needed just a a boost of encouragement, he says, Now remember, remember, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We're a faith people. Not a sight people. You know, we're people that were saved by by faith. And we walk by faith. And by faith we're going to heaven. We're a faith people. We walk by faith. And not by sight. And then he says, lastly, We are confident, yes, well pleased. Whether to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We are well pleased. He goes, there's a part of me that's longing, groaning to be absent here so I can be present there. And once again, you see no support for the idea of going and living in a, a hole somewhere. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. There's a better day coming. And that's the message of hope. we got to get out the door. we got to tell our neighbors. There's not a person sitting here who has not known someone who's ravished by sin. It may have been as a child they were molested and hurt that way. There, there's, there's, there's something there that, that and again, not, that was not their sin to send the other person. Um, gosh, divorce, poverty. We go to Africa, Judy. We see the, the emptiness in their eyes. the message of hope is in Christ. He he died so we could live. He became sin, literally 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became sin that we could become the righteousness of God. He died so we could live not for just 50 years. But forever. Isn't that incredible? So, so here's what we've got to do. We, again, please understand when I say this, I'm so afraid I will be misunderstood. We need to be a, a, a rock, a lighthouse for what is culturally right in the Word of God. We need to, we, people do need to know that, that we don't believe in certain things, abortion and those kind of things. But the message we have is not what we're against. Is what we're for. And the message that we're for is, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living no matter what men say. We serve a risen King. So if you're here today, and maybe your world is dark. So I read on Facebook, and I'm not a big Facebooker, but I had to check out Robin. What about Robin Williams. And you know, some person said we don't, we so misevaluate depression. I, I've heard too often somebody in depression, and some person will say something like, just get over it. You just don't get over it, okay? You just don't get over it. But if you're here today and you're in that darkness, there's a a God and a savior greater even than depression. There, there there's a God and a savior greater than habits that will pull you down and destroy you. There's there's a God that's greater than any sin. Our multitude and quantity of sin. His grace is sufficient. And that's the message today. Not trying to make you a badness. Not trying to get to join our church. A lot of us know this man named Jesus Christ. And he has radically changed our lives. And I'm going to tell you right now for me, it's been uh, 39 years, and it's been a great ride. And it's going to get better and better because eternity is waiting. If you're here today and you've lost a loved one, there are no simple answers. I hope you didn't say, "Well, that was simple." No, no, no. I'm just saying this. What if it's real? There's something coming. And again, in Christ, there's there's reunion. In Christ, there's recognition. In Christ, there's eternity. Heaven won't be a lonely place. It'll be a place of relationships. And if you're here today, and you say, "Dwayne, my life is pretty good. I know Jesus." Can I just encourage you? Make this your focus. Be careful not to let this seem like heaven, that this seems like the best part, because it's not. It's, it's a precursor, as we know Christ. Um, we didn't get to preach Wednesday night because we had a testimony service, but one of the theologians of days gone by said the church should be a colony of heaven. And this is a colony of heaven, but it's not heaven. Amen? So, so keep your focus Remember our citizenship is in heaven It's not here My brother Brent's going to be standing down front We call this our time of decision And if you're here today and your world seems really really dark And you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior that's a, that's a leap in the right direction And Brent would love to have a counselor talk with you today Or meet you after church And tell you about how you can know Creator God in a personal way Through a relationship with Jesus Christ That's the first thing And may I say this too if you're, if you're a believer and your world seems pretty dark right now, won't you come? we got some folks who love people and we'll pray with you. We'll get down on our knees next to you. We'll put our arm around you and say, God, would you be with my hurting brother or sister? Just so you don't have to walk the valley by yourself. We'd love to do that. And then like I say, if there's priorities that need to be reorganized, why not come today and, right here? Just sit down and say, God, today I want you to know my priorities have been a little mixed up. I understand now that I was made to worship I've been living temporarily, temporary instead of eternally. Help me to live for eternity. Let's pray. God, you are so good. And I mean this, Father. It was an incredible privilege to share these truths today. Father, I pray for my friend here today who has never received Jesus Christ as Savior, who has not experienced your grace. And God, the last thing they need is religion and a bunch of rules. But oh, how they need a Savior. And we know and we believe that that Savior is Jesus Christ. So I pray for my friend today that they may come to know you, Jesus, in a very real and personal way. For the ones who are hurting, Father, it may have been a death, but maybe an illness. Perhaps their life is just real hard right now. God, would you bring your healing touch, your peace, Father, upon them today? And Father, for all of us, help us keep our focus. Help us to remember that this is just a temporary abide, abode and there's something coming far, far better, far, far better for those who know Christ. Thanks, God. You are incredible. We love you today. Now, Holy Spirit, please do your sweet work in the lives of people. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.